2017, three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Linkin Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele, and Mark. They named themselves the Members. Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the Guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest. Hello and welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. I am Dave. I'm Brendan. I'm Mark. Right now, as you may or may not already know, we're lucky enough to be hanging out at the home base of the brewery. They've been kind enough to let us invade their space, use their gear, and maybe most importantly, sip their beers while we hang out and chat. Today, we are fortunate to have with us the pride of Saskatchewan, Canada. Drafted seventh overall by the Anaheim Ducks in 2002, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim in those days. Uh, He's played 701 career games in the NHL, 205 career goals, 215 career assists, and our good friend, the Ukrainian-Canadian Wolf... Mr. Joffrey Lupel. Ukrainian-Canadian wolf. I haven't heard that, but uh, it's, it's nice to be here. <laughs> that was my addition. I'd seen a thing where you had talked about, one, being Ukrainian-Canadian, but not really, like, just thinking of yourself as just being Canadian. And somebody else had almost, like, asked you about that. And then, two, I have no idea if this is even true, but it said somewhere that Lupul was, in some language, wolf. Romanian, I believe. Is it Romanian for wolf? Yes, and what I know about being Ukrainian-Canadian is that I'm about to head home for Christmas and I'm going to hammer a lot of cabbage rolls and pierogies. <laughs> and other than that, I don't, I've never been to the Ukraine or over there, but I do know the food's exceptional and I get it one time a year and I go to work. Would you be okay with me calling you the Ukrainian-Canadian wolf? Yeah, no, okay. it's great. It sounds like a nice nickname. And then you need to do a howl. Every time? <laughs> we can point to you and you can howl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Loops, we met back... I think 2012, through some mutual friends, other hockey players that like to play golf and become pretty good friends. In the last few years, we've played a lot of golf together. What do you remember about the first couple times that we played? I used to be better then. I've got worse at golf every day since. And and actually, I thought you were pretty good. (laughs) Were you nervous to play with Brendan? Um, I can't can't really remember. I, I, I am now that he's a multiple PGA Tour winner. And I am a retired hockey player whose handicap is ballooning. So, yes, I get a little bit more nervous now. You're just nervous to play with anybody at this point. At this point, yeah. I mean, it is funny. I hear from a lot of people, whether they're other athletes or musicians, or that they get really nervous to play, whether it's pro-am or just a casual round or whatever. I don't know if they think that that I'm going to go and and report all the shots that they hit to all my friends. or To to this podcast? Yeah, or maybe to the podcast. So, I mean, on that note, let's talk about all the bad shots you've hit over the last six years. Oh, a highlight was that one I sent right by your cart. I kind of went off the hosel and took a 90-degree right-hand turn and and almost took him out right after his Napa Valley win. Yeah, that was recent. That that one is fresh in the memory bank. You're digging back like to a week ago. I, I don't know what it makes it. That, I mean, I played hockey in front of 20,000 people for 10 years, and I, I can't remember ever being ever being nervous. Uh, 40 drunk people watching the end of a golf tournament somehow can uh, can be uh, quite the pressure cooker for a, for a professional athlete. I, I can't explain it, but 
Uh, it sucks. And, and I mean, I suppose it's just the fact that you're so out of your element. I mean, it's not what you do, right? So, so therefore, you know that kind of anything's possible, and and there's a lot of things you're concerned about. There's a lot of things that could happen that, that you don't want to happen, and you you want to hit good shots. So you're getting the same feelings as as PGA Tour players are getting as they're trying to finish off a tournament. You know, you want to hit great shots. You want to do well. You still have your fears. You still have your worries about things that have popped up in the past. And um, so, I mean, from that respect, I think we feel kind of the same things. Like you playing the horse race is the same feelings that I get when I'm out playing in a tournament. I got a buddy who who plays every now and then at the club I'm at. He's pitched in the World Series. He's done all these different things on huge stages in that regard. For whatever reason, you get him out playing golf with 50 guys kind of standing around making fun of it. And it's just like complete stress. It's like you've never done anything in front of somebody else before in your life. And I've felt that way too. Maybe it's just that difference of feeling comfortable doing something in front of people versus having a golf club in your hands or or whatever that might be where you feel completely out of your own element. There's something about golf that can really take somebody and put them completely off guard. And I don't know for, for you, B, if that's an occasional thought or feeling for you playing in a tournament, but I know... I can assume, Joffrey, similarly with me, that that's like a, an isolating place to get stuck in. It's pretty simple for me. At the golf, you're out there by yourself. In hockey, you have a whole team, and especially one guy, the goalie, which you can truly say no matter what you did, he could have stopped the shot. <laughs> they get, the other team could have got zero if, if he was on his games. Maybe we didn't help him out that much, but this is still his fault. to that note i have an eight-year-old i coach her team and goalies always position that just you know you go play goalie for this quarter my whole speech to them if you get scored on that means that the other team has beat every other player first before they've come and beaten you in goal therefore it's not your fault yeah yeah so the whole idea is like you're the last one who's made the mistake it's not all on you or joffrey i I can imagine you coaching eight-year-old girls just saying if we get scored on, then we can blame Nancy because she was in goal and could have stopped it. <laughs> what was it like in your youth level playing? I, I assume you did all of your youth level uh, hockey in Canada. Yeah. Um, Saskatchewan, is that correct? It's actually, I meant to correct that at the start. It's called Fort Saskatchewan. He said Saskatchewan. And Fort Saskatchewan is a city of 13,000 people, and I think they would be quite offended by that. So. I don't know if anyone there listens to podcasts quite yet, but <laughs> if they do, I'm glad that we, we have a strong following in Fort Saskatchewan, yeah. so we better clear that up. I'm glad you cleared that up because if you didn't, I was going to. I didn't want everybody to be mad at Brendan. Yeah, seeing as how Dave wrote that, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, growing up in Fort Saskatchewan, also, I don't know if you could already pick up on this, but I am half Canadian, so that's what you're feeling right now towards me. Mm. I don't think we've ever talked about this in the past, but... Uh, I'm, I'm east side, Nova Scotia. Oh, really? East side. Yeah. Uh, they like to party out there. Spent a lot of time. <laughs> spent a lot of time growing up in the Halifax, Prince Edward yeah. Island zone. Shout out to powerful Halifax and uh, all the northeastern relatives. Yeah, growing up youth wise hockey. At any point early on, is is there a moment for you where you do feel uncomfortable or nervous as far as playing for people, or is that always a natural? Comfort zone. Yeah, the same as golf or probably music. The same. You're putting on a lot of pressure on yourself to keep getting better each year and, and keep improving. I've, I was always playing, especially pro, I was pretty comfortable in my ability and, and the preparation. So you're, the people there don't really matter that much as far as how I'm preparing for the game. Did I send them home disappointed sometimes? Absolutely. And, and that part sucks. But before the game, you're, uh, I, I never really felt nervous about it. 
for me growing up playing music, I, I have the, this distinct memory of uh, I'd started playing when I was maybe six years old and maybe around the time when I'm nine or something like that, I'm doing this performance at this spot and I'm not prepared for it. I haven't really practiced enough. I haven't taken it seriously to toot my own horn a little bit or to, to fiddle my own violin to change the expression poorly. <laughs> I'm a violinist and I'm pretty good for like a, for a nine year old. Mark would call it a child prodigy, but I don't want to put Mark, words in Mark's mouth. No, I'd call it that. Okay. Thanks Mark. <laughs> but I play this performance. I'm not prepared and it, it, I suck like in my own mind. And afterwards the feedback I get, you know, from my mom and from my mom's friends or it's basically families who are at this thing. So the feedback I get is positive, you know, well done. You're so great. Blah, 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 blah. You're nine. You're nine. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So they're like, they're just impressed that a nine year old is doing something on an instrument in front of a crowd. The only negative feedback I get back was basically telling me like, the only times I could tell that you had made a mistake were when like you showed it on your face. And for me, I remember that as like a pivotal moment in music that it's like, most people don't understand what I'm doing up here or don't know the negative way would be like fake it till you make it or don't show what you're doing. But I think it, it translates so much also into other things as well. There's like a entertainment component of sports where there's a confidence that comes naturally and you learn through the process that like, you've got to move through those mistakes. You've got to push through anything negative that happens. Anyway, you're going to have another performance. You're going to have another game. You're going to have another chance. There's going to be another shot down the road from that moment on. Dave never fully prepared for a show. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually like that's what it clicked thing after that. I was like, yeah, it's probably pretty important to, uh, be on my game a little bit and do some prep for this stuff. It was a, it was a good lesson. Hockey's always impressed me so much with, with what you guys can do on skates, full speed. You know, somebody draped all over you coming down the wing and trying to score on an amazing goalie into a, a small area. I mean, the, the net is rather small. Uh, too small as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. I'm picturing Joffrey going and skating at so like the local little the local <laughs> outdoor it. mall put like a little tiny ice rink up there 75 degrees outside yeah 75 degrees melting yeah maybe after i get my ass kicked at golf it might be good for the ego to go and skate laps around people at the <laughs> urban spectrum that's always like for me too that's a pet peeve i have of playing with brendan or anybody who's better than me for that matter is guys like brendan or any of the pga guys or anybody who's like your scratch handicap at a club they're so excited to come out and play with you and just humiliate you on a golf course but they'll never go back and and play guitars against me for money there's got to be a way that joffrey that we can figure out how can we handicap skating and then you can skate against brendan for money i don't know if you guys are going to skate through cones or you're going to do time trials or give whatever. me some sort of a lead right it's going to be give a, him a handicap yeah. and then skate for money you know what's funny about that is there's uh, a friend of mine uh at shady and he's a uh, professional poker player and they they have these poker games and uh so we go out and i give him 18 shots when we play golf right so he's like oh you should come over we'll play poker well, I'm not going to play poker with you. I said, you got to give me a chip lead or like do something. He's like, no, there's no handicaps in poker. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? Joffrey, when you're out there on the ice in a game, obviously, if you get frustrated, you can just go hit somebody. How do you handle your frustration out on the golf course? Are there clubs being thrown? Do you just kind of sink back? What's yeah. going on? Well, I think at my best, my handicap was in between like three and four. And I used to get upset then when I was playing. <laughs> Because I knew I was capable of doing some good things. Now my handicap's up to like, 
I don't know, eight and a half to nine, somewhere in there. And now I find myself being a little more passive on the golf course when mistakes are made. Obviously, I'm still competitive. I'm trying to win. But instead of swearing and throwing clubs, I like um, drinking. Drinking. What? drinking helps one of my favorites with joffrey is uh i remember one time he hit a really bad shot i think you you topped it like right in front of you right and yeah. and he goes are you kidding me you're a professional athlete for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> and i think it was the foursome was you john mallinger patrick cantley and i yeah so it was extra humiliating <laughs> there's just no reason for that I can. I'm okay with them going left or right, but when they just dribble off the tee, there's just no excuse for that. Oh, I mean, there's nothing worse. I've is played there? golf my whole life. It shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. How did you get your start in golf? Because obviously, in Fort Saskatchewan, it is the the season to play is short. Short. And I mean, obviously, playing hockey taking most of your time. So, what what chance did you have to play growing up, and where did you kind of pick that up? We, well, obviously, in hockey, you get the summers off, so it's conducive to golf. There was a nine hole course in the town called the Fort Saskatchewan Golf and Curling Club. It's curling in Canada, not country. It's an hmm. interesting, interesting fact. So there was a curling rink and the golf course. And so you curl go. in the winter and and golf in the summer. No, you curl year round. Oh, you curl year round. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I didn't personally, but I know. People uh, people did. They like curling. Is that bicep curls? Bicep? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a shuffleboard on ice. Oh, right. I curl you around. <laughs> so you were able to play a little bit in the summers. Did you pick it up at a young young age? Yeah, very, yeah. You were very young. Probably, I don't know, 10 years old. And we would never took any lessons or anything, but me and my buddies would just go over and play golf all the time. Anytime we had a free moment and it wasn't freezing cold. Um yeah, and then I kept playing, and unfortunately, during my hockey career, I've had I had surgery on my back twice, and as that after that, I started to handicap started to go up and up, and it's just got worse from there. But I still love getting out there, especially some good friends at the club and going out, and I can go out there and shoot eighty eight or to ninety two, and still have a decent time out there. Obviously, I'd prefer to shoot eighty is about as well as I can play right now. But, I mean, I go out there and have fun. It's it's great to be out there with your buddies and, uh, yeah. And, that, I mean, that's just it, right? It's mostly just that's the vehicle for the hang with the boys. Yes. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, well, what are we going to do today? Okay, well, of course, let's get out there. Let's play. Let's get a little game going in the group. And, obviously, when, when Uppy and, and Obi are in yeah. town, um, that's, that's great. I mean, so Scotty Upshaw, uh, Shane O'Brien, and Joffrey – are thick as thieves usually wherever you see one you see the other two at least in the in the summertime um around newport or or they take trips together do uh the bonnaroo festival i know yeah. has always been a popular one for you guys in the past um kind of moving on to the music side of things um what what is it that that kind of drew you into that festival or or into festivals in general in the first place? I mean, Scotty and I one time we were playing together for the Philadelphia Flyers, and I, I think we lost in the the Eastern Conference Final. So it was already like the start of January or start of June, and that's when that uh, when that festival is. And we were looking for something of fun to do and go and party after the season after playing six seven weeks in the playoffs, and and that's what we what we came up with. And we went to the festival, and it was just. Um, just uh, I've been to music festivals before. That one just stuck out as being a, uh, a really good vibe. And we think we went seven straight years until the last last couple of years. I haven't been, but uh, starting to run out of steam for those four day festivals. But um, uh, we had a, a, a lot of good years there. And then more guys started to join our 
<laughs> our group and and um we kind of went year in year out and, and had a blast i know when we play we always like to get the music going in the cart I, i'm sure you had music going in the locker room before the games after the games you know is there different kind of music to get you ready for a hockey game than there is to play when you're playing golf or do you kind of just go with the things that you like the thing about a hockey team is you've got 20 voices in the room so the music's always a big issue because no one is really on the same page as far as that goes uh, as far as hockey, I would listen to more hip hop and stuff like that. Golf, you're not going to be certainly listening to that on the course. I don't know. For me, I, I don't want to say this now that we talked about the guitar handicapping, but I've played guitar. My I've played for a long time, probably like ten, twelve years. So um, I don't want to get into a guitar contest, but it is something <laughs> that, that chills me out. I used to always bring it on the road when I played hockey, and I'd, I'd play it after the game, something to just like mellow out after when you're all amped up back at the hotel room or whatever. So. Are you still playing guitar? Yeah. Yeah. I, go, I, I feel like I go in phases. Like, I'll go a week where I'm playing all the time, and then I'll kind of take a couple weeks off, and then I'm back at it, like, full out to where your fingers are hurting. I'm sure you know all about that. Um, not looking to for a second career, but it's just something fun to do with buddies and or fun to do for myself that I find therapeutic. So how would you handicap yourself as a guitarist? This is okay. So that's like one of my favorite things in the world: creating fake handicaps for other things outside of <laughs> outside of, of golf. Obviously, I just had my wife uh, handicap me for surfing, and I, I went into the conversation like, "Yeah, you know." So like, I've surfed my whole life, but my whole life it was like once a year up until maybe like five years ago, and then I, then it was progressively a lot more. And it kind of goes like golf, where you get more and more and more into it, and. My wife, she's surfed since she was little, and she's really good. So my whole thing was like, okay, she also plays a little bit of golf, so she understands handicaps. So I'm like, I feel like I'm like, eh, I feel like I've got, I'm getting better at surfing. I'm starting to know like where I'm at with it. Blah 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 blah. If you were to give me a handicap, surf handicap, what do you think it would be? And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm thinking in my head like, I might be like a ten, maybe a twelve. But I'm like, I'm kind of starting to get to that point where I'm like pushing into thinking I might be single digits. And she's like, <laughs> her quick answer is like. Uh, like an 18 or a 20. Is it what's a, is an 18 or do you need a flotation, some type of flotation it's, on you no, once, it's, you, once you, know, you cross a 15 yeah. handicap? It might be. You got your own, you got your own board, your own suit. You can paddle around out there, but you're still a little bit of a liability, I guess, in the water. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say you were single digit and I'm more like an 18 or 20 because I've only been a couple times and Dave's dragged me out each time and I am terrible. I'm probably just as bad as I am on ice skates. But I mean, for you to be an 18 or 20 is, is pretty ridiculous. Brent, <laughs> sure. fun, fun story. We, I take Brendan out on this day <clears throat> a year, a year or two ago. And I, he's maybe surfed with me at this point once or twice ever. And we go down, down to San Onofre, and it's just massive. It's huge. It's probably, in the last three to four years, the biggest, if not top three biggest days I've seen it down there. But we get out there. Brendan's out. He's tired. He's hanging out, whatever. He's in this own little spot by himself. And at one point, me and Lindsay are just sitting there kind of chatting with him. And he's in this perfect space, this huge wave's coming up. And we're like, we're basically go B paddle for that. Like you're in a perfect spot. Like go. And he's like, all right, starts paddling. This monster comes <laughs> and he just, just complete trust. It's like the trust in his eyes for me. I felt so bad after the fact he 100% trusted me. That I was just like, you need to go start paddling. And 
it catches this huge wave and then has no idea what to do after that. I thought for a second I was going to have to try and figure out how to save you at that point. Yeah, I mean, I went full knee ride in. I mean, there was no way I was standing up on that thing. That was insane. But um, that's also oh, you, a pop- you kept the tip out of the the water. Yeah, I mean, I I was okay. I didn't I didn't like fully go down. But you guys were saying like I'm I'm riding their huge yellow longboard. And they see this thing going crazy through the waves, and it uh, would have been a sight to see. Uh, yeah, and Santa is also a popular spot for great whites. These yeah, days, which so. which Dave also told me when we got way out there one day, because my, my whole goal was just to kind of get on the board. It was Be really out. hot. Yeah, and like kind of get out there. If I can get out, I mean, that's that's a lot of work in and of itself. We get out there, and we're just kind of hanging and waiting, and Dave goes, oh, yeah, the you know the juvenile great whites hang out back here, so... But you you don't have to worry about them. I mean, they'll be fine. They stay way back there. It's no big deal. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, that's that's great. Thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks for telling me right as we get out here. You know, I'm I'm facing facing the shore, and then I'm starting to look over my shoulder, going, uh, what am I going to do out here? Are the juvenile great whites being supervised by someone? They could, I think they <laughs> very well might be. <laughs> they might be the troublemakers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joffrey, what would you place your guitar handicap? Just so you know, uh, Dave's a 10 on the bass. That's probably true. <laughs> plus 10? No, just a 10. Okay, yeah. No, he's a plus 6 on the bass, right? Uh, well, all, all pros are always plus 6. Is that the rule? I guess pros are plus 6. So Loops is plus 6 on the ice. You're plus 6 on the bass. Whether you can play to it or not is not our problem. <laughs> that's that's what you're giving up, yeah. Well, so what would I be? I don't know. I'll, I'll call myself a... I was going to say... 15, but then that would be saying that I'm better at golf than guitar, and I feel like I'm really, really struggling at golf. Well, I, I'm going to call myself a 12 at guitar. Okay. Yeah. A 12. I can, I'm, we're not playing from the same tee. I've got to move up a box, but I can, I'm it's respectable. I can get it around. Yeah. A couple great moments. You might lose a couple balls. Yeah. I don't know how it would correlate, but in gambling, a 10 or a 12, who's a good 10 or a 12, is really dangerous in the golf course. So maybe you're a very dangerous guitarist in that sense. You never you never know what Joffrey's going to bring. Yeah, I mean, my favorite partner is always like a 10 or 12 who will make 14 pars and bogeys and then have three holes where he's just in his pocket. Because in match play as a team... Oh, thank you, Brendan. Yeah, you're welcome, Mark. <laughs> I always love you as a partner. But uh, any any guy who's making a lot of pars and bogeys and has the blow-up holes, they're always way more dangerous when you're playing in a match because it's the guy who just, just kind of sits around and makes bogey and double every hole that's not really ever in it. But if, if a guy's a 12 but has the capability of making birdies and pars and then you just know three or four holes he's going to be in his pocket, that's the best kind of partner to have, at least as a good player. This is Brendan's indirect way of saying why I'm a bad partner to have. Dave and I have had a <laughs> rough run lately as partners and uh, we'll probably get into this with some of our other guests because they have laid a beat down on us lately um but dave and i haven't made it past the 12th hole in our last two matches Ooh. uh so that's that's not ideal yeah there is a, there is an issue i don't know we haven't figured it out yet yeah should we air it out <laughs> Does he give me the, free, free balls at the start of the round, though? That's always nice. <laughs> a little bonus. <laughs> yes. we got to figure out a way to, to also introduce guitar competitions into these matches that we're playing. I think that's that's where we're going wrong. I'll keep you as a partner if that's going to be the case. Otherwise, I think we may need to break up. That hurts. Like Hockey's a, a tough thing to like go play pickup hockey. Yeah. Right? Like You can't just go mess around and 
if you miss it or at certain points or whatever. Where where are you at and how that feels? And pretty good. I mean, we'll put it this way: I haven't skated in solid year. I have played hockey probably eighty percent of the days since I was sixteen years old. So right. Um, so we were playing 80 games a year. You practice. You get three days off a month. Otherwise, you got your skates on and you're playing hockey. So I think it's pretty natural for any um, player once their career ends. And and actually, I'm still I'm I'm injured this year. I'm still under contract, but I was not able to pass a physical and come back and play. But I think it's pretty pretty natural for someone to just kind of. Take some time off, but I, I could see maybe one day starting to miss it and joining a, a pickup league or something, and uh, going out there and 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 showing off and, and trying to get a handicap so I, I don't score too many goals. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's probably the same with everything, right? I mean, Dave, for as long as you've played music, you probably you're not excited to go pick up a guitar on a day off, you know, for instance, or like for me uh, with golf. There's a lot of days when it's not any fun, whether you're playing poorly or you've been on the road a long time or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, you just, you get over it. You've been doing it for so long, so many days, so many hours that it's not your favorite thing to do. Now, you know, if I were to go and if I were to be any good at music or hockey, maybe I would want to do one of those on my off days. Um, instead, I just have to watch those who are better than me. But uh, I think when you get to this point um, in your, your career and your life, you've been doing it for now 30 years loops has been playing hockey yeah. and and at least 20 of playing tons of hockey it, it's nice to have a break yeah and, and you guys know this too it's nice when you're when you've dedicated your life to something of professional sport or music you also have there's a lot of things that you've had to sacrifice along the way as yeah. far as like not being able to do this i can't going on a vacation with friends it was like you finish the season you take two weeks off and then you're and then i'm back in the gym like doing everything which was great i loved it i miss it i miss like some of that stuff but um there's also some some interesting things that uh, you can do outside of there and that that part of it's really exciting between the three of us too like i'm a little bit more on my own schedule than than you guys have been because obviously loops playing hockey like they set the schedule you have to be there right for me i can decide when I want to play, but I mean, I'm not going to tell them to move the masters to a different week, or at least I'm not going to tell them and have them listen to me. I think you should try that. I should try that and see what they, what they come <laughs> Guys, up with. Uh, first week of April is not looking good for me this year. Yeah. yeah boys, uh, boys, uh, just, boys are going to Cabo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to miss that trip. I can't, I can't miss this I really trip. want to play the masters, but I also want to do this trip. Uh, can yeah. you guys shift it a week for me? And then the same with Dave, obviously, like when, when they set a tour, it's yeah, all right, this is when we're doing it. And it's not like Dave sits around and goes, ah, I don't really think I want to go there this day. Like I, I take a week off and do something else. Uh, you just, you're stuck going wherever, uh, the setup is and that's, that can be tough. And I, I think for a lot of people, they don't really understand that side of it. You know, as far as the schedule's always in someone else's control. Yeah. I always hate talking about it or maybe even like feeling like I'm complaining about it. But for anybody who does something that they love, but also does that as their job and hopefully like for you guys and at some point, or maybe hopefully even still all the way through, you loved your sport. And for me, I've always loved music, but for anybody who is lucky enough and fortunate enough to do something that they love as also their career or profession, there's a grind there where you wouldn't do it the same way if you didn't get paid. Like that's what I always tell people as far as like playing bass in a band, right? It's like this is 
the best job I could have for me. I absolutely love it. And if you can get it, I would highly recommend it because it is awesome. Having said that, I wouldn't do it the way we do it unless you got paid for it because there's a lot of things that come with it that are a grind schedule-wise or whatever else. It's hard to explain that to somebody who might not feel that or might not be able to see it. But it's like when you go to the baseball game, you know, and you – if your buddy pitches for the angels and you go to the baseball game and you're like, dude, this guy's got the coolest job ever because when you go, all you're seeing them do is their thing in that moment. But you're seeing like that hour and a half where they're getting to kind of express themselves. And like, that's like the payoff of all their hard work is that game, but you're not getting there at noon for batting practice and you're not staying there till 10 o'clock at night after the fact. And then you're not doing that the next seven days of that week. And you're not doing that, you know, 300 days out of that year or whatever. Those numbers are probably way off. But the point being like, you know, for you as well as you express like the schedule or for golf and the grind that goes with that. And even for music and for touring, there's a lot of grind that kind of goes in there that I think if people just come out to the show, they just come out and see your performance. They're seeing like my best part of that day. They're not seeing everything that went into that day. They're not seeing everything that went into that buildup of that moment. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. I mean, when people talk to me about this subject, I always tell them I wouldn't want to do anything else. Like, I want to play golf. That's my favorite thing. But there's a lot of things that you don't get to see that go into it. You know, you you watch TV on Sunday. You see a guy, you know, hole a putt to win and get the trophy and all the things that come with it. And you don't see the guy who's just missed five cuts in a row and has a new baby at home and hasn't been home in a month and, you know, all these things that, that go into it from a personal side um, and maybe he's struggling with things in his game, whether it's mentally or physically, injuries, um, whatever the case may be, there's all these other side things that go into it and there's so much work to get to that payoff and to get to that moment where you actually get to enjoy it a little bit um, that, that that is a hard thing. I think for a lot of people to understand, I'm sure it's very similar with hockey. I mean, you worked your whole life to get to the NHL and, and worked so hard in the NHL and people only, they show up for the game and watch you play, but they don't know everything that kind of goes into that. For sure. Obviously everyone watches three, a uh, three hour game of hockey and they think that's all you did that day, which is clearly not true. But um, I even find that now that I'm not playing, you have to, I tell myself sometimes I'm like, and I'm like, oh man, I miss uh, like certain things. But I, when you think about the, you're, I'm thinking about like the best moments. Right, <laughs> like I'm not right. thinking about getting multiple surgeries and breaking bones and uh, like the bad parts of, um, or the the tough parts. I mean, it's all it's all injuries and and different things like that are all all part of it. And and but there's when I'm missing hockey, I'm missing like those great moments and not. Uh, thinking about some of the the day-to-day stuff and especially injuries and what you're putting your body through and and stuff like that and and when when I think about things like that it's easier to let go of the fact that your body's not in good shape and and uh it's probably not meant to to play hockey anymore but it's very easy to just focus on those like the great moments the really special concert at a festival I'm sure or the playoff games or big goals and stuff like that so that's one thing I find myself dealing with now that I'm that I'm not playing and probably won't be playing going forward. You have a restaurant opening, is that correct? Yeah. Tell nice, me. Tell nice, us a little uh, bit. Tell us nice a little transition. bit. Transition. Hey, come on, <laughs> come on. It's not my first time. Yeah. Oh. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> been too long since we heard Ukrainian that, so. Canadian wolf. <laughs> yeah, tell, um, us, yeah, tell so, us a little bit about that. Yeah, project in. Uh, I've been living in New York mostly, but coming back and forth a bit. Uh, in the West Village in New York, a friend of uh, mine and I opened up a, a restaurant bar called Do West on West 10th Street. I didn't realize I was going to get some advertising out of this, but this is very nice. Thank you, boys. Saturday night, actually, we had our. It was a private party. It wasn't the the grand opening, but we got in there, and it's. Uh, we're really thrilled with the place. Uh, good food, great drinks. Um, our chef's amazing, and and uh, hopefully we, the place does really well. I think I, I think it will. It's like it, and going back to like stopping playing sports or something. Now I've like started this restaurant, and I'm like in there the other day. I'm like, this has to be the best restaurant in New York. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that's a high that's a high bar that's too, a very right? High like, bar, right? You're not it's going best. Be... You're not going best restaurant in Fort Saskatchewan. In Fort Saskatchewan no. Yeah, you're going best restaurant in New York. Is that always been something that you've been interested in? As far as like restaurants, a little and bit, that. yeah. Um, it wasn't something I thought I would get into this early, but we the project came along and we we put a lot of work into it, and and we're we're really thrilled with the with the place. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it works out. Hopefully, I still have one rest. If I come on the podcast next year, hopefully I still have a restaurant or maybe have maybe have two. But um, no, it's it's certainly a tough business, but we we put a lot of work into it, so we're we're uh, looking forward to it. Have you reached out? Uh, I mean, I know a lot of different athletes potentially do that, but one of that pops in my mind immediately is Tamu Solani. And with as far as I know, his his restaurant Solani's down in Laguna has been awesome. So good, such a great yeah, spot. I love it. Do you guys ever touch base over that or kind of share? I didn't really know. I've, I've I've just went in there and and have ate a couple times. I think it was. To me, one of the best restaurants in in Orange County. Like, if, especially if you're if you're going for steak, it's um, it's awesome. And he was one of my my favorite guys I've, I ever played hockey with. He was just such a such an awesome guy, fun, great player, obviously, but just a fun, nice guy. And and uh, uh, I played with him early in my career, and I learned a lot from him. Just the way he treats people, whether it's staff or uh, fans, he was great with fans. So I, I tried to carry. Lots of that stuff with me through throughout my career, but class act, great New York strip. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great amazing. Wagyu great, too. <laughs> it's amazing with guys like that. I think uh, something you just said resonated with me. I mean, obviously, such a great player. We know all about the accolades, the goals, um, you know, everything that he's done on the ice. But your takeaway is more about how he treated people, and yeah. whether it's fans, staff, all that kind of stuff. I have a similar experience with Phil Mickelson. I mean, obviously a great player and has helped me do things on the golf course, but my biggest takeaway from Phil has been how he treated everybody that he's around mm -hmm. and, and the way he does that when, when no fans are around, when no, uh, cameras are around, you know, when it's just, when he doesn't have to, and he goes mm -hmm. out of his way to be a great guy. And, and I've tried to pick up more of those traits than I have the things that he does on the golf course. So it's, it's good to hear that about Tamo. I, I, I mean, the interactions <laughs> that I've had with him, I, Totally understand yeah. that. I think he's an awesome guy, but um, I, I think it's good to have those role models that help you more off the ice, off the course, than even you know on the ice. For sure, yeah, that's a thing. And watching Solani was so good too. It's like I'm not going to pick up that many things on the ice. It's like he's a like next, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. It's like I'm not going to be able to do what he does on the ice. Um, but just, I mean, that's what that's what stuck out. 
um, to me uh, from him, just a, just a class guy and, and, uh, and a good golfer too. One of my idols musically and also on bass is Paul McCartney. And when we got a chance to actually play with him, we played, uh, the Grammys with him had to be, I don't know, 2000, I'm going to make up a number six, 2007, but um, we played Num Encore with Jay-Z and then had Paul join us on stage at the Grammys and did and transitioned into uh, God, I'm, yes. yesterday. Yesterday. Thank you, Mark. And I remember <clears throat> the first time I met Paul, we're in a, a rehearsal space, you know, our whole crew. So our stage techs and bass techs and everything else are nervous about him coming in. Sir Paul is coming, blah, 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 blah. They don't know what to expect. Um, I'm obviously super nervous because not only is Paul McCartney coming, who I've idolized and, and looked up to as far as what he did in music and also his style of playing everything else, but it didn't go unnoticed by me that he also plays bass. And for what he was going to be doing, he was just going to be singing. And so in, in the back of my head, there's a small little voice that was at the very least saying like, if you, if you kind of, if you fuck this up, like he might just straight up say like, Hey, Give me that bass. I'll go. I'll I'll play this. Like we're good here. You know. Like, you don't know. Like I've and so he comes into the room. We're working on you stuff. You were very replaceable at that moment. I was. If super, you don't play to okay. your plus six, it would be like the, yeah. You'd never want to be the bass player if Paul McCartney's coming in and isn't already playing bass. You're very replaceable. And I'm not offering anything else into that mix at that moment other than I'm playing his bass line on his song at that moment. And he's not. He was awesome and so kind to not only us and working with like the orchestral section we'd had with us, working with our crew, our staff, everybody. But it was just like it was such an example for me of you can reach the highest echelon of whatever you're going to be doing in your own field and you can still be like a kind person and a great person to be around for everybody who's working with you. Um and that was great, you know, because obviously sometimes you meet people who you look up to or who you're excited about and they suck and they don't, they don't, they don't reach that bar that you'd hope for them and whatever you move on from that. But this was an example of like, okay, that's something that would be great to strive for, great to reach for, emulate. Joffrey. Yes. Thank you for being here. First of all, today, it's been awesome having you for anybody who wants to follow what you're doing and follow, uh, your exploits what's going on with due west etc mm-hmm. how can they find you you can find me on instagram at jlupel and the restaurant bar due west at at due west nyc how do you spell do d-u-e okay due west due west yeah like headed west you're not doing the west you're not i do- just wanted to clarify <laughs> that d-o-w-i-s oh i was thinking d-e-w the whole time oh do do headed west Due West. Also, huge thanks goes out to the brewery for hosting us, B-R-U-E-R-Y, for those of you who love to spell. Uh, They're hosting us the entirety of season one here on the Member Guest Podcast. Uh, The wonderful people here, awesome beers. Do you guys enjoy the beers? Love the beers. Love the beers. For all of our members and guests out there, you can hang out with us online at member-guest.com. It's Member Guest Official on Twitter and Instagram, Joffrey Lupole. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly there? Lupul? Lupul, yeah. 
the poll. This is the end of the podcast. So the Ukrainian. Yeah. <laughs> I just go with I just go with the Ukrainian Canadian wolf. But right. Joffrey Lupul, you came here as a guest. You leave here today as a member. Oh, see what happened there. Any fi- any doing. final thoughts? I'm honored to be here, but if uh, I would say if his good friend Phil Mickelson was as good as guy as he says, he he may have came and and been the initial guest. So. Season two. Um, season two, oh, we're aiming for Phil. Phil Phil's starting season two? <laughs> Not, we'll, we'll get him. You might have to go to him. We might trick him. Get- trick him into it. May your drives fly straight and your guitars stay tuned now and forever. Adios. All right. Adios. Adios. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Well done. Can we do a group howl? Is there a send-off? Howl. Woo.